Hey there, you're listening to What the Riff? Join us as we remember the great rock and roll hits from a month between 1965 and 1995. We're going to riff on all things about the bands, the members, and the goings-on during that time. We hope to inspire you to find and download the songs you hear today, whether you're fans who forgot about some of these tracks or maybe never even heard them before. Check out our blog at whattheriff.com or follow us on Facebook at What the Riff. Here's a shout-out to our sponsors, Right Column Financial, offering CFO and bookkeeping services for small business, Stanton Electric, a commercial electrical specialist, and Marbury Creative Group, a brand development agency that helps companies tell it better. So let's turn up the volume and enjoy this episode of What the Riff? The Iran-Contra affair erupts. President Reagan reveals a secret arms deal to Iran. 20-year-old Mike Tyson becomes the youngest heavyweight champion in boxing history. And the World Health Organization announces the first global effort to combat AIDS. This is November 1986, and you're listening to What the Rip. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm Brian. And I'm Bruce. And Bruce brings us this classic album. What you got, Bruce? This album is Paul Simon's Graceland. It was released in August of 1986, and we're featuring it in November when the title song was released as a single. And that's the song we're listening to right now. All right, Graceland. Mississippi Delta. Paul Simon was was in a slump personally and professionally. His relationship with Garfunkel had deteriorated. He had divorced from his second wife, Carrie Fisher. His 1983 album, Hearts and Bones, hadn't done all that well. And this album would become the highest charting album in over a decade for Paul Simon. It was his most successful studio album, and it would win the 1987 Grammy for Album of the Year. Oh, big turnaround for him. Yeah, big turnaround. Did he do something different production-wise that you think oh, he did a lot contributed different. to the success? Yeah, yeah. He, did, he did a lot different here. So Simon thought that the drums from one of the South Africa sessions that he did reminded him of a, of a traveling rhythm in country music. So if you're hearing a little bit of a, a traveling sound, a little Johnny Cash, you know, something like that, that's, that, it reminded him of Sun Records is what happened. It reminded him of Johnny Cash and Sun Records, and then from that he kind of got the idea of... Um, Graceland, so yeah. he put the name there, but it was just a placeholder, but he never was able to replace it. Well, you can tell way the, I mean, this is a very upbeat, quick, even yeah. though his vocals are a little bit more subdued, this is a, this is rolling. It's right. yeah. rolling real quick. This, you can tell this is a drivable song if yeah. you want to kind of keep on going. Kind of like Mrs. Robinson or something. No, well, no, it's nothing like that. Yeah. <laughs> but the pace is fast. That, yeah. yeah. That's this, a really this, fast song. But this song is you know, obviously nothing a lot like what he was doing beforehand with Simon and Garfunkel, which we did at the album. Ep- five episodes ago. Oh, really? Yeah. Wasn't too long ago. Yeah. So, I mean, it is. It's got that road trip sound. The idea is it's uh, taking the trip from to Graceland from Louisiana along Route 61. Does that sound familiar, yes, Brian? Yes, that's sir. the Blues Highway, is it not? Up through Mississippi, yes. Yeah, through Mississippi. That's the one where you have a lot of places you just stop and eat. And there's, you know, if it's late enough, there's a blues fan up there. And if you're a gambler, as you're approaching Memphis on 61, you can take a left to go to Tunica for all the casinos. But we're going to Graceland. Yes, Graceland. Keep going Memphis, north, Tennessee. <laughs> now, has Keep anybody been to Graceland? 
I have not. I, I have not been. I have. My parents wanted to go, and I just said, "This is some." I want to do. I, I want to do Memphis. I want to do Beale Street and Graceland. I want to do that at some point. Uh, Sun Records. I will yeah. say this about Graceland, and to all of our listeners out there, if you're ever in Memphis, Tennessee, if you're a music fan, it is worth going to see. But Graceland, the house itself, at least in my opinion, is very unflattering. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting, but it's unflattering. Well, back then it was a mansion, but now yeah. compared to what we have well, here. And the, in the interior decor. And it's, but you have to make up your own mind, of course. Yeah. You get to see the toilet? <laughs> no, they don't let you up there. <laughs> they won't let you up on the second floor. <laughs> oh, darn. So, you were, Rob, you were talking earlier about the production and things. Yes. So, this was, this was a very unusual path. Paul, uh, Paul Simon lived next door. To Lorne Michaels. Oh. And uh, of course, Michaels is associated with Saturday Night Live. He was at the no, time. No, Battlestar Galactica. What? Nah, I can't. <laughs> well, wrong one. At wrong, the time, he was Lawrence. producing a, another sketch comedy called The New Show. And there was a singer songwriter associated with both Saturday Night Live and the new, so- uh, the new Show named Heidi Bird. And she played in both house bands and. Michael introduced her to, to Paul Simon. He, Simon was going to produce a record for her. Ah. And uh, she wanted her record to sound like street music from Johannesburg. Hmm. And so she loaned Simon a bootleg tape. And this inspired Simon to explore world music, and particularly mm. South African music. Speaking of that, uh, there's a world music stage at the Jazz Festival. Yeah. If you guys go... The jazz festival. That's another area. Really, the big stages are for the big groups, and you can go and you know, jazz festival. We've we've talked several times. I don't know. There's probably a drinking game if I say jazz festival. Mm-hmm. People drink or whatever, but but it is a thing to go. But it is fun even going to these world oh, I'll bet. music sounds because you get. I think it was Ganja Banja Man from Zaire or something like that. I mean, I remember seeing all these different groups, and it, it, it's fun time to. This sounds. I mean, this is definitely world music. I can see the influence of Johannesburg, too. What's this called? Well, this is called Diamonds on the Soles of Her Shoes, and it features South African choral group Lady Smith Black Mambazo. Um, Paul, uh, Paul Simon wrote it when he went to South Africa, but it was not originally planned for inclusion in the album. Oh. But when he flew them back to back him on a Saturday Night Live uh, gig, he had them back in the studio, and then they decided, yeah, let's go ahead and record this for the album. The lyrics are not very deep uh, on purpose. Simon was trying to introduce the sound of South Africa to the world, but he was not trying to introduce a lot of political things into it. He just wanted people to hear the sound. Yeah, but it was around the time of apartheid. It was really... And that's one of the things that makes this album quite controversial. Yeah. Yeah, because not only it was during apartheid, but there was a big movement to a cultural boycott on South Africa. And in the middle of this, Paul Simon is going to South Africa and recording with all these folks. So it was there was a lot of controversy about that. I remember on the, when I covered Simon and Garfunkel, mm-hmm. Paul Simon is the artist, musical artist, that's been on Saturday Night Live the most number of times. Now I know why. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know he was Lauren Michaels' neighbor. When you live next door to Lauren Michaels, you, know, you might get on the show a bit. we got an opening on the show this week. You want to come? <laughs> yeah, and I think Paul Simon was like on the 
the second or third episode. He was he was yeah. a musical oh, yeah. guest very very early yeah. on, wasn't he? Well, one of the big controversies about this, I mentioned how he was inspired by this. Uh, that did, Simon went to South Africa to meet a lot of these musicians that were on the bootleg tape that Heidi Berg had provided. Well, Heidi Berg didn't was not pleased oh. by this. Okay, Uh-oh. she felt like he basically stole her idea. Oh. Right now, she wanted the sound of that, but he was like, "I'm going to go over there. I'm going to meet these folks. I'm going to, you know." But you know, basically, their their relationship deteriorated significantly. He could he could afford to do it. She probably could. Probably could. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to go over there. Take my recording equipment and yeah, have some fun. Absolutely, <laughs> and, uh, and and I think he did it right when he was over there. I mean, I think they were paid like fifteen bucks an hour. Uh, the musicians there, he paid them two hundred dollars an hour, uh, which was like three times union rates in New York City at the time. Wow, wow. Um, to to record with him. So I, I I think he did them did them right, and he gives a lot of credit to the musicians. He, he actually gives them writing credit, and royalties, and things like that on this, but there's still a lot of controversy about it. Yeah. Because, you know, and, cult, and these days, I guess we call it cultural appropriation, right? He's taking this music and he's making it his own. Yeah. Rock and roll is cultural appropriation. Yes, I'm it sorry. Is. Yes, it, it is. It took from all cultures. That's right. But it's just, when you think about, you know, like the 80s, this sound is just very different from everything else that oh, was happening. Oh, it's fun music. It's fun, uplifting. Like you said, it has a good beat. It's not, you know, a, a downer song. Everything's just trying to lift you up. It, it, is, it is going forward. You had mentioned somebody before we started that, uh, Wayne, that, was, that, that reminded you. Are oh, you talking about... Uh, Knopfler? Oh, yeah, the guitarist. Was Mark, I thought it sounded like Mark, Mark Knopfler from, yeah, from it, Dire Straits. It reminds me a lot, and I like Mark Knopfler's music. I yeah. Admit, so that may be why I'm kind of attracted to, yeah. to Graceland as well. I can see uh, Knopfler doing something like this. Oh, sure, you know, yeah. His thinking, and you know, he thinks kind of globally, internationally, I guess. Right, but. right, exactly. So... Berg was not the only musician that felt left out. There's a lot of musicians that are on this album. Uh, Los Lobos, for example, uh, is on this album. They, they pulled some from New Orleans. They've got a little Zydeco in there. And uh, some of the musicians, several musicians, felt left out of uh, credit. And, and so between that and the cultural appropriation, it made this a, a rather controversial album. You're right about keeping it simple. It, the, the song, the track here is nearly six minutes long mm-hmm. about half of it is this kind of thing which just sounds like a african south african jam session right well that's that's because that's what it is right you know it's it's got uh, jam band <laughs> so the radio african. version yeah the radio version of this probably didn't include nearly well it, it cut out the zulu at the beginning uh, that little prelude i think a, a lot of times but none of these songs other than one really hit the the the, the charts in the way that you would expect, mm-hmm. uh, but we'll and we'll get to that. Now this other one is a little bit deeper of a cut. You may not have heard this. What's it called? It's called "Under African Skies," ah. and it was released as a single, but it it didn't do all that well. Um, there are two people referenced in this song. One is the leader of Lady Joseph Smith Black Mambazo. His name was Joseph 
Shabalala. But I like the reference because he says Joseph Joseph's face was 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 black as the skies, you know, things like that. And it gives me the image of like Mary and Joseph fleeing to Egypt. Ah, so mm-hmm. I, I don't know that that was his intention, but that's one that's one person's reference. There. The other is the lady that's singing in the background. Can you tell who that is? It's hard when she's not singing. I'll have to <laughs> wait and wait, bring that one up when she comes back in. I just tell us ahead of time. <laughs> well, the second is a lady from Tucson, Arizona. Does that give you a hint? Um, let's see. No. <laughs> Joni Mitchell. Good guess. It's actually Linda Ronstadt. Well, you don't. I was going to say Linda Ronstadt. I go, well, it's a little late after her prime there, but yeah, I guess. We may hear a little from Linda Ronstadt a little Here later in the podcast. Oh, really? Yeah. Don't anticipate, though. So putting Linda Ronstadt on this album was a highly controversial move. Really? Why, yes. why is that? Because Ronstadt, just a few years prior, had been in an engagement at um, Sun City, which was a South African resort. She had been paid like half a million dollars to play there three years earlier. And again, this is the apartheid era. So, you know, people really were dogging out Ronstadt for doing this. And then Paul Simons has has her on the album. But uh, but his comment was, you know, there wasn't, he says, there's not a racist bone in her body. Yeah. And she didn't realize what was happening at the time she took the, the contract. So so obviously Paul Simon didn't play Sun City. <laughs> he did not play Sun City. He also did not play the album, the, the, the anti-apartheid song that was written called Sun City that calls out a lot of the musicians that had performed there, ah. including Linda Ronstadt. So there is that. There's Joseph. That's it. Yep. Kind of, it got a neat sound though, doesn't it? Yeah. Always thought Paul Simon was a better artist on it as a solo than he was with a duo with uh, Simon and Garfunkel. The, the dude can turn a lyric, can he? Yeah. It's just amazing. And the other thing that I really like about Paul Simon's music is he stayed in a range that that you can sing for a long, long time. You know, you think about, you know, Steve Perry or, or oh, some right, others. Right. You know, mm-hmm. when you you can sing in that stratosphere and it's really impressive. Yep. But it's hard to do that as you get older. I don't mm-hmm. know that Simon intentionally did that, but but it does make it's his music is more accessible. He's, he's not a loud singer, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's kind of talking. It's understated. Like he's in a room with you. <laughs> ah, Chevy Chase. Now you recognize <laughs> this one, don't you? And this yes. is one of the very few songs, though, in the history of MTV, and our history as well, where I immediately go to the video. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, tell us about that video. What do y'all well, know? Well, you've got uh, Paul Simon, who's about five feet nothing, and Chevy Chase standing next to him, who is 6'3". Yep. So, <laughs> and uh, Chevy Chase is actually mimicking the lyrics of the song, and they basically reversing roles. It's very right. funny. And, and Simon's sitting over there looking bored most of the yeah. time, and then bringing in the bongos or bringing in the horns. 
Yeah, it's very it's funny. It's a funny video. Definitely have to post that on our Facebook Yes, page. definitely. So that video was partly conceived by Lorne Michaels, and it does. It stars six foot four Chevy Chase four, lip okay. syncing, while five foot four Paul Simon <laughs> is doing backing vocals and bringing in instruments. Yeah. yeah. This is a fun. This was the big hit from the album, although it only went to number three on the bill or on number twenty three on the Billboard Hot One Hundred. Really. Yeah, so uh, you know, I mean, for for album of the year, you would have expected there to be more hits. Well, it was heavily it. rotated on MTV, so yeah, I think that's the reason why we all, you know, that was. Did this song get the song of the year? I don't think so. Okay, I don't think so. But you know where the name comes from? That Betty and Al. You can call me Al. Uh, no, I found this interesting. The name came from a party that Simon went to years prior with his first wife, Peggy Harper. And French composer Pierre Bollet's had was there, and he mistakenly heard Paul Simon and Peggy Harper's name, and he missed, he called Paul Al and Peggy Betty. Oh. <laughs> so that's where he gets uh, Al can, and Betty. I can call you Betty, and Betty, when you call me, you can call me Al. He just kind of remembered that. Just don't call me late for dinner. <laughs> That's right. This reminds me a little bit of, um, this is not my beautiful wife. This is not my, yeah. You know, this is not my beautiful house. Uh, talking, talking heads. heads. Talking heads. Yeah. It's, it's right. Along that kind that, of vein. Well, that's a good point because the first two verses are kind of about a midlife crisis, yeah. which I think is what the days go by is about. Yes, days so, go by, yeah. And then this last verse, the third verse, is more autobiographical about Simon's trip to South Africa. Cattle in the marketplace, scatterings wow. of orphanages, things like that. It's neat though. the 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 lyrics are more nonsense, but but it's just fun. Top hits of November 1986: Amanda, Boston. I actually did a staff pick on that a while back. True Blue, Madonna. Take Me Home Tonight, Eddie Money. That was a good song. You give love a bad name, Bon Jovi. I Shot think to that the heart. I think that kicked off the 1987 Bon Jovi year. I didn't mean to turn you on, Robert Palmer. Talking about a cool dude, man. Yeah. That guy, he, he's... Speaking of cool videos. Yeah. All very similar. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of ingenuity there. <laughs> there you go, Brian. There's a bass. Like that bass line forward and backward. That's right. Yeah, this is a jam jam session here isn't it yeah but all i can see i'm like uh, brian i can see chevy chase and paul simon playing the horns or mimicking the horns quick thing in music of november 1986 uh the music magazine q is launched in the uk that was a very big music magazine there i guess this is tailing out it's bruce thank you for bringing that drifting to us. out Thanks, guys. It took me a while to get to that one. I've been talking about doing this <laughs> we had one a lot for of some time. Paul Simon in the last couple of months here. 
Well, now uh, we're going to go to our entertainment track brought to us by Right Column Financial. And we mentioned Linda Ronstadt in that album. You will hear her voice here again. This is the theme from a movie that came out in November of 1986. The movie was An American Tale. And this is Somewhere Out There by Linda Ronstadt and James Ingram. It was a, like a cartoon or animated film. Yeah. Animated. I, it was, I was yeah. I was in grad school then, so I I don't remember. Probably you didn't go to this one. No, I don't think I. It was my market that was that was directed at me. So no. <laughs> this was a big movie though. Yeah, yeah. I do remember. I do remember hearing of it. Something about a mouse or something, and oh, yes. leaving Five-hole. Europe to go to go. Uh, what was it? Fivel. Fivel. Yeah, Russian Jewish family of mice. Jewish. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't the know Moscovitz. Uh, was it based on like a tale of two cities or something like? Or maybe there was I, another. I thought they were like they leaving did. Europe to come to the United States or something like yeah. that. I don't know. It was a it was a really big movie, and I think I bet you it was one of the last cartoon animation movies uh, because they started getting into CGI and everything with with the an, you know the animated well, of I was overruled on the next song that we probably we should have used in this place but the movie Eye of the Tiger came out with Gary Busey could you imagine what that was off of <laughs> yes the same song they came up with the song they had have we the song not covered that song I don't know we probably did I think that. we have covered that Sid Nancy, if you remember that one, was the film portrayal of Sid Vicious and his girlfriend. Oh, wow. The basis from the Sex Pistols. That was interesting. Something Wild was an action comedy with Melanie Griffith, Jeff Daniels, and Ray Liotta. Heat. It was about a thriller with an ex-mercenary working as a bodyguard in Las Vegas. That was a Burt Reynolds movie. It had Howard Hessman in it. One of the best movies ever. It's probably the best sport movie ever. Hoosers. Oh, yeah. Came out. Yeah. It's about a small-time oh, high Gene school Heckman. basketball team that enters the state championship. Yeah, that was a great one. Mm-hmm. Star Trek for The Voyage Home. That was actually a pretty good that one. The, the even-numbered Star Treks turn out <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the Mosquito Coast. It was Harrison Ford, Her- Helen Merrim, and River Phoenix. What was interesting, it was shot in Cartersville and Rome, Georgia, which is really not too far from us. Yeah. And it was before Georgia became one of those uh, stops for all these films now. Oh, yeah. We weren't, we weren't the uh, film capital we're becoming now. There was a comedy out called Firewalker, and it starred Chuck Norris mm, <laughs> and Louis Gossett Jr. It was the first time that Norris was kind of able to poke fun at his all his action action personnel that he he was one thing i i should mention about uh the movie uh, american tale do you know who the executive producer was steven uh, spielberg there you go was, yeah good guess and yes that's uh steven spielberg was the executive producer on this we had a couple of people die in november 1986 associated with phil Scrap, Scatman Crothers. Oh. He was a singer, dancer, musician. You probably hear a yeah, lot of he was fun actors. To watch. Yeah. Cary Grant dies. Oh, he was probably, mm-hmm. the, uh, to me, one of the greatest mm-hmm. actors ever. And there was a TV show called Life with Lucy with Lucy Lucille Ball. It ended after one year on oh, ABC. The only so. one of Lu- the Lucy television series that did not do Yeah, well. it was a complete mm-hmm. flop, which was Kind of believable. It was kind of hard to see her. I guess she was a grandmother at that time, probably. Yeah, nobody wanted to see that. Yeah. All right. 
Well, now we're going to do our staff picks, and the first one here is brought to us by Wayne. We're going to kick it up a little bit. Very recognizable vocals here, guys. Yes, it's David Lee Roth again with his third single from the album, Eat Em and Smile. <laughs> I love the cover of that album. Yeah. <laughs> that had, the, uh, I guess, him in kind of different colored face sort yes. of like a jungle painted, yeah painted face yeah jungle guy his version of south africa yeah i guess <laughs> <laughs> well this is off the first full debut album after david left van halen he did an ep while he was with van halen but this was it and i had already done yankee road yeah. beforehand yeah. so I, I i go well i don't know if i'd do it again and i love this song too and i even downloaded it uh Steve Vai's on guitar, but when I found this out, I go, oh, I've got to do this because I did not know this. What's that? This song was going to be a theme to a $20 million movie that CBS was going to do called Crazy from the Heat. Ah. And is inspired by David Lee Roth. He wrote the script for this thing. It's about a, uh, a person who is going to be played by David Lee Roth who travels to this mysterious Dongo Island where he gets into all kinds of koopy capers with his manager, Bernie. And he, he wrote this song to be the title song of this movie coming across. So I had no idea. I didn't know I wonder either. if that script is still out there because that should be made, man. The, oh, yeah. the script is digitally. You, you can go out there and find it. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Who knows? He can't. But uh, said uh, CBS signed for the production. Storyboards were complete. Costumes were finished, and it just fell through. And CBS pulled the plug. Wow! Huh. Wow! He must have done something really bad. At that point. <laughs> well, you mean being besides being David Lee Roth? Yeah. You know, here's the thing: David Lee Roth was such a showman, then. just a fantastic stage presence. That's when he ended up becoming a paramedic for a while. But you know what, though, Sammy Hagar. Of all people, gave David Lee Roth probably the greatest compliment uh, that anybody could give it to him. And I'm not sure Sammy meant it as a compliment because David Lee Roth is a true, plays the true rock star. The limos, the glamour, the outfits, yeah, and all the Lived glitter. It. You know, he said he is the true rock star. Is what Sammy said. So, believe it or not, this is one of the reasons that that David Lee Roth said why he wanted to leave Van Halen was for this movie oh so wow I thought that was and he wanted to do it based on his solo material because I, I assume it would have been really interesting another group named Aerosmith was slated to contribute to the movie's soundtrack ah. so and they had just came back together if you remember this is right when they had their second you know comeback but that yeah. was going crazy David Lee Roth alright good pick now we're moving to a Pick from Brian. I can name that song in one note. One note. You're only human, Bruce. You're not a computer. A flesh and blood, <laughs> a man. <laughs> I really like this song. I'm glad ah, you picked it. Thank you. This is. I have to say this, guys. This is truly one of my all-time favorite songs. Not because of the music so much, but because of the story that they're telling. And it's not so much the guys asking. Obviously, it's it's a song about, yeah, I've cheated on you, and you know I can only I can do one of two things. I can tell, yeah, and I'm leaving, or I'm I'm really trying to get ask for forgiveness here, and you know, trying to comfort you and console you. And so, 
and then of course the best part's coming up and it's the woman's reaction which you know she, she basically says while we were apart I was human too Brian, Brian I, I see this as a bookend to another song that was recently done as a staff pick I, I see him saying to his other lover sad eyes turn the other way <laughs> indeed <laughs> but you know it's, 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 I didn't realize until researching this song that the Human League horse being from the UK they were kind of they, they hit big in the 82, 83 with right. Don't You Want Me and all those songs off of Dare and, and things like that they had the world at their feet success had been so easy, easy for them there you go so they they've kind of been a little lull there especially in the States so what do they do they find two guys from the time remember Morris Day in the time yeah yeah Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis they got into record productions, and they mostly did R&B. They did Janet Jackson's Control. Okay. And, and so Phil Oakley, who's the lead singer, says, I love, you know, he listened to a lot of this stuff in R&B because I'd like to listen to this. I'd like to go meet these guys. So they fly over to Minneapolis to go meet these guys, and, and they hit it off. Wow. And on this song, it's, it's the, um, the, the album is called uh, Crash. Mm-hmm. Kind of a, okay, whatever. That's a. That's not one of the the, the, the women singing here. Yeah. That's not the two women that are in the group. Who is it? These are studio musicians that Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis brought in, which Ooh. did not go well with the two women band members. So they were kind of pissed off about that. Did so they say, "Please forgive me"? This? Now that's a band member. I just love this. Song. I forgive you. Now I ask the same of you. <laughs> While we were apart, I was human. Listen to the chord. I love that keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> that jam in there, you right? Yes. But Terry Lewis and Jimmy Jam, they wrote three songs on this album, and that's the one. That, that is a Jimmy Jam and a Terry Lewis that song right there. So getting back to the, the, the women, um, they didn't. they were pissed. So the two women are Susan Ann Sully and Joanne Catherall. What you hear is, is the studio musicians there, but they appeased them. They're kind of, you know, tried to you know, smooth the waters by letting them be in the video. Mm-hmm. And so the two women you see in the video, which is a great video, by the way, those are the two band members. And uh, so one spoke the, the, we just heard the, the speaking part, but the other woman got to do the, this like, doing this human she didn't do it on the song but she did it in the video so it kind of calmed the waters but just the brilliance of Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis well it doesn't sound like a uh, Minneapolis no hip hop Prince like song it's not really know. new wave like no. Human League were it, it is know, it's an interesting you know, kind it of has a little bit of a Janet Jackson feel to me yeah. that's about the closest and this but, is right when Janet Jackson started coming back. Yeah, she exploded with control and just that album went nuts. But what, what I like to say so what, it's my favorite story, favorite song, one of my favorite stories. It's just so well done. All right, thanks, Brian. So now our next staff picks going over to Rob. And what oh, you got, Rob? Man. This is kind of a deeper cut that you may or may not remember from November of 1986. This was on the charts, though, if I oh, remember. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It reached uh, number 15 on the Billboard 100. 
You'll recognize the voice as soon as it comes out. The name of the song is Emotion in Motion. Here we go. Wait a second. That's not Billy Squire at all. (laughs) (laughs) That is Emotions in Motion. (laughs) This is Rick Ocasek, and this was his second solo album. His first one was called, uh, I think it was Beatitude, and he did all the instrumentation on that. And he's done a total of seven solo albums. But uh, this one made it to number 15, and it was his only top 40 hit as a solo artist. All his other top 40s were with the Cars. Do you remember about this time, guys? This is when people started putting things on on, uh, the little uh, iPods. Yeah. Yeah. MP3s. MP3 players. That started coming out. This was on my first version of that. It wasn't an iPod. It was that was too expensive for me. I had to be a cheapie and get something else. Yeah, yeah, but they're but only I you had, could only like put forty songs exactly. on it. But this was one I put on there because I love okay. I just love the music so much. Were those around in '86 though? I think that's no, a little no, early for it. It was just after that. Oh, oh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, but I, I just, early from '90s. That point, yeah, yeah. When yeah, you I got just, you, when you went absolutely. out for one of those MP3 players, you bought and put this album absolutely. on. Okay, well, just this song. Well, oh. Rick was. Uh, the primary vocalist and and he played rhythm guitar he was the primary songwriter and front man really for the rock band but uh, of course he had a partner with him uh benjamin or yeah and his uh, solo work no 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 with, with the, cars. the cars yeah so they so what happened was um they had the greatest hits come out in 1985 and then the members kind of split up they each wanted to do a solo project and uh, the lead guitarist Elliot Easton released a solo album in 1985 and Ocasek uh, and um, Orr did the same thing and Orr had a uh, top 40 hit and it was the only one he did do you remember what that was stay the night Stay the Night. That was oh. the only solo top 40 hit that he did. Which I also had on that first yeah. <laughs> MP3 player. I want to just say one thing about that Car's Greatest Hits. I've downloaded it, and it is missing so many great songs oh, yeah. Cars. Yeah, there's so many it was, great songs. It was like, I go, yeah. wait a minute. I just need to go download those albums. Because yes. really, they're, Some, yeah. I, I guess they called them deep cuts, but they're not deep cuts. They were hits. They were, I mean, Some top greatest, 40 hits. Yeah, exactly. Some greatest hits are, are better than others. I know since this is all, we, I did Graceland, the Negotiations and Love Songs, the greatest hits of yeah. Paul Simon is yeah. a fantastic collection. Journey's Greatest Hits is a fantastic collection. But, yeah, I think the you're cars, right. The Cars, yeah. you, need those, you need those albums. And to that point, Wayne, that's why I do not have that album, because of the point you just made. I like all the other songs off the album and not being filtered out for the greatest hits. Do you know what his last name was when he was born? He, he was Richard Theodore Ottkasek, O-T-C-A-S-E-K, and he actually... Uh, decided to remove the T in his last name before he formed a band called Richard and the Rabbits. And his friend and musical partner, Benjamin Orzachowski, <laughs> went even further, changing his last name to Orr at the same time. Unfortunately, uh, Rick Ocasek died in uh, 2019. So. Benjamin Orr died in 2000 here in Atlanta. And if you want to go back, we did a in memoriam for that. So if you, mm-hmm. it's it's. I mean, 
obviously several years back. So yep. go back and look at our uh, in memoriam to Rick Ocasek. One thing I want to say, he was influenced by Crosby, Stills, and Nash. I never knew that. I looked hmm. at doing a little bit of research. I would but, never uh, hear that. I don't hear that yeah. at all in his music at all. Yeah. But anyway, I hope you enjoyed that. Oh, yeah. Now we're moving on to the man who started it all today, which is Bruce. And uh, what do you got for us, Bruce? Control. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a guess. <laughs> but no. <laughs> oh, man. This brings back a lot of fond memories. This of was everywhere, wasn't it? It was. This is the highest charting single from funk band Cameo. This is Word Up. Now we were probably too old. I know I didn't ever went to I never went to the skating rink, but I would have to say when this came out in the skating rinks were probably playing this every Friday night. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I was in college at this time. Yeah, I say we're too old for that, but I mean That's right. back in the day. I think I remember hearing this at spring break. Uh, yeah. down in Daytona and it might have maybe it was cuz we're covering November of 86 it must have been in 87. Well, it may it would have it would have hung on for a while, especially yeah. in the party scene, wouldn't it? Yeah, a lot of times when we're talking about these songs, this is sort of when they came out or were on, or were on the charts. Right. So sometimes we're a little early on. We'll talk about a, a group soon that really was more 1987 than 86, but the album came out in, in 86. In 86. Yeah. 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 Do you remember the other song that Cameo came out with? I think it was before. It may have been right after. Which is one of my favorites too is Alligator Woman. Alligator Woman, yeah, that was the early eighties. That was early eighties. I don't remember that one. Oh, look it up. It is it, hysterical. It, well, it's going to make a staff pick. I assure okay. you, either you sure. or me, one's going to get that one on the staff pick. <laughs> yeah. That's a fantastic uh, one too. This was it was the it, it went to number six on the Billboard Hot 100, and it was off of the album Single Life, and which was their highest charting album. I wonder if it's hard to sing like this with that well, voice. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's he's channeling Sly Stallone oh. from uh, Sly and the Family Stone. That he was he was doing that deliberately. Yeah. And then they got the whistle from the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly there. Oh yeah. Uh huh. There yeah. you go. Yep. So word up was an affirmation used in New York, kind of like I heard that. Or word now. I mean, yeah. a lot of people say word. word. Yeah. So it's a little bit more hip because it's from New York. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This I, is I, more of just dancing music and everything else uh, to me. This is you know, Trinity dance. You guys, you know, somewhere about halfway through this comes on, and then everybody's out there on the basketball court or inside some. The only dining hall. The only thing from the lyrics that I think is kind of cool is where he's saying, "Look, do something that's danceable, okay? Don't do, don't do all of this other stuff. Trying to put on airs and act real cool, right? Make music." Mm. I mean, I don't know. Those parties back in college were just un un unbelievably crazy. I yeah. Mean, you know, well, I, I, mean, I, you I can close my eyes and see frat row. Yeah, it's exactly. Crazy. This is, I mean, you just go out and buy gallons of yeah. alcohol and <laughs> gallons of cheap cola. And, you know, 
ice and a keg of beer, and you punch, had a party. Punch. You're making punch so hunch. And you know what else I can see? I can see the little cheap strobe lights that the DJs would have behind them, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I can <laughs> see that. Blasting out of these martial amps that you go out oh, yeah. and buy. you got oh, yeah. two of them, and you just got the aimed, and you got the door shut, yeah. and it's just bouncing off the walls. You're getting that big vibration back from the bass line. Yep. And this is one of those songs that could have gone on, you know, the, the, the dance mix could go on for like 20 minutes. Oh, right. right. <laughs> I'm sure they had one. <laughs> yeah. Dance version. Yeah. Uh, the memories. So that was Cameo. Absolutely. All right. Now we're going on to our instrumental. Which it's either I- instrumental or comedy, but in this case, <laughs> hey, that's true. There wasn't anything funny in that. Well, we talked about Boston with Amanda <laughs> as a top pick, but this was one of those instrumentals off of Boston's third album. Third stage. That's right. We had waited so long for Boston to come out with that third album. Too. Yep. It was six years. Yep. So and unfortunately the the album is still good, but time had moved on, you know. Yep. I yeah. agree. I agree. Yeah. It had a sound from six years previous. Right. <laughs> Some more of music of November 1986. Some of the albums that came out, Cool in the Gang, Forever. That's another one of those funk bands that just was going to town now. Elton John, Leather Jackets. I think that was one of his comeback albums. Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, Your Funeral, My Trial. That was yeah, some fun don't rock and roll. Call that one. The Pretenders, Get Close. Mm-hmm. Kate Bush with the whole story. Here's a song I thought somebody was going to do, Don Johnson's Heartbeat. Or did somebody already do that one? Oh, gosh. Frank Zappa has the usual album out, Jazz from Hell. The The had Infected. The Kinks, Think Visual. They were sort of, I think that was sort of on the down end. Duran Duran had Notorious. No, no, Notorious. Eric Clampton had August. Zebra, Three Point V. Love Zebra. Bob Geldof had Deep in the Heart of Nowhere. And this is probably about when he was doing the whole Live Aid stuff. It was afterwards, yeah. It was 85 when he did Live Aid. Cheap Chick, The Doctor. The Pornish Sisters had Hot Together. I don't know if they were still doing disco then or not. Kansas had Power. It was actually a pretty good album, but by then Kansas had, once again, Prog Rock had had been. And the album that really is more 1987 to me that we're talking about License to Ill, Beastie Boys. I was oh, expecting yeah. somebody to steal that fight for your right to party from that album because that right there was the big song of 87 for me. That one was blowing the doors out. And it was one of the, I guess that they stole the rap. Borrowed. Borrowed, borrowed rap borrowed. music sampled. or whatever. Sampled. <laughs> it, yeah. They didn't even know how to play any instruments then either so but it was fun that was a we'll, we'll talk probably talk more on that whenever we do that song in 87 but you've been listening to november 1986 we're what the riff i'm wayne i'm rob i'm brian and i'm bruce we'll see you guys next time enjoy it Thanks for listening to What the Riff? We hope you enjoyed the songs we had on tap today. 
Please tell your friends about us. Check us out at whattheriff.com and follow us on Facebook. Special thanks to our sponsors, Wright Collin Financial, Stanton Electric, and Marbury Creative Group. That's all for this week. See you next week on What the Riff?